Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm excited to talk to Olivia Wolfgang Smith about the new book, Glassworks. Welcome, Olivia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm excited. This book was, it's a, it's a book that spans a lot of time. And was that difficult? I think you start in 1910 and yeah. end up in the two, 2015 area. Was that difficult or easy? Um, I think I worked on one section at a time. So yeah, it's a, it's a multi-generational novel. It takes place over the course of a century. Um, I th- the four sections are 1910, 1938, 1986, and 2015, like you said. Um, so yeah, I think I just being in, in one headspace of one section at a time um, and being able to sort of read and think and learn things about that time period um, made it a little bit easier than it could have been if I was jumping around um, in between. Because um, they have very different challenges. The ch- like something like 2015, obviously, and even 1986 that like I have more, I'm more conversant with personally. Um, so the research challenges were a little different for each. But yeah, I think keeping them separate was the key to keeping myself sane there. (laughs) Um, So I noticed, I love the way that at the beginning of the book, we get set up a little bit with Elizabeth and Prudence. And it's something that when you read it to begin with, it's something that's so small, but I felt like it was something that really influences the entire century. Did you feel that way or was that something intentional? Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about um, the protagonist of the first section, um, Agnes, who's like a wealthy philanthropist in 1910 Boston, um, that she has this uh, ancestral uh, lesbian relationship um, in her own uh, lineage that she's like very aware of. Um, And yeah, that's something that it was important to me that queerness in this book um, was something, it's not something that like um, appeared as history progressed, that it's something that's like present from the first page in the distant past. Um, and that's something of all, a part of all the characters, um, voca- or not vocabularies necessarily, but um, part of their mental landscape. Um, so that's, not, even though like n- not all of these characters have the, the, the terminology and context to know that they are questioning and negotiating their gender identity and their sexuality, um, but that they all are <laughs> like that, that is something that's going on for all of them. But yeah, you kind of have to, for something that's taking place in 1910, you have to kind of be more mindful of it, um, being experiential, uh, rather than fully conscious. But yeah. And I think that, you know, when we look at time in history, we do know that queerness has existed forever. Um, we also know that at certain times, even today, there are people who would like to quash that or put it back in the closet or put a lid on it, whatever you want to call it. And yet at the beginning of your book, we see something that is so beautiful and it is just, it's as if it unfolds to Agnes and it comes to her so sort of as a gift. And that was really nice for a reader, I thought. Oh, thank you. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, to, to I definitely was trying to be mindful of working in historical fiction to work against the sense that, that there there was ever a time where there weren't queer people, um, you know, 
yeah, for which, sure. Which was nice because it, we do know that that's exactly what it is. That's exactly the way the world is. Though we see with Agnes, someone who is well-to-do or wealthy, um, we also see what happens in history when women were almost like property in a lot of ways. Was that something that you set out to explore or was that just something that happened to be? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's on my mind. It's something that I think um, Agnes herself is not very aware of at the beginning of her section and sort of has to have pointed out to her by some other characters <laughs> that uh, she's maybe aware of the ways that she is disadvantaged or marginalized and not as aware of the ways that she's very privileged um, compared to many people. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something that's on my mind as well. Yeah, it's um, it's sort of one of those things that I think I was reminded again that when a woman got married, she really was in a marriage and divorce was an option, but it was so far removed from someone in the Victorian era. Uh, it almost came with um, what is a scarlet letter or whatever, whereas you were just something very different if you were divorced. Um, I felt it at some points that um, Agnes, you know, she starts out of the gate fast and then she sort of gets behind the eight ball in a lot of ways. But then I was really impressed by the fact that she then took control of her narrative, which I think <laughs> <Yeah>. is, <laughs> which is a very important thing. <laughs> that's, that's one way to put it. I like that. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't read it yet, after reading it, will be impressed by the, 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 the way you avoided a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something that I, it's something I champion, but yet at the same time don't want to give it away because that was a that was a that was something that really spoke to me because I mean that is one of the way Agnes took back her strength and uh, and that was impressive. So good job on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I like that way of thinking of it. But yeah, like it's certainly her her ups and downs are definitely about feeling empowered and then like realizing the limits of that, um, especially within once she's in this, this institution of marriage. Um, and then, yeah, finding a creative backdoor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so before we started recording, I, I mentioned that um, I, I have quite a few artist friends and I may get in a little bit of trouble by saying this, but I have noticed over the years that some of my artist friends are even more manic than I am. And I appreciate that because I do think with art, there comes a bit of um, um, manic uh, to that art. I, I would imagine, is that the same way as an author? We'll get back to the glassworks part, but I'll ask you now. <laughs> um, that's a really interesting question. I do. I think that that sense of like coming into um, like an artistic flow state that can be um, very like powerful and positive, but also kind of like overwhelming and decentering. Um, that definitely is familiar to me. Um, like, uh, and I, I think that that in writing and and that that might be something that comes up for lots of people, um, not just in the arts, like in any in any like passion or career that feel that that feels that way. So yeah, I think that that um, that sort of sense of 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 that ebb and flow uh, for sure. Well, and I think you're right. I, I really appreciate you pointing out that because I do think it's about what we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. It isn't just as an artist. I happen to have your book has glassworks in it. So it is about art. Is uh, is stained glass something in your family history or is it something that you're particularly fond of? 
Um, yeah, I'm just an enthusiastic appreciator. <laughs> this is my <laughs> only um, relationship to stained glass. Um, I have definitely in the research for this book, um, in, not just like so in in glass modeling, the it's lamp work glass blowing that's being done in the first section, um, and then stained glass uh, in the second, and like even like window washing on like Manhattan sky rises in the third section. Like definitely, I have gained more appreciation um, for all of these uh, art forms and do notice them as I like go around my day. Um, and I've started to kind of think about, I've learned just enough about how something like stained glass is done to be able to wonder, to look at certain windows and, and think about how they were put together and why. Um, and like, uh, but yeah, not, I, do, I am not an actual artisan in this field at all. <laughs> it's a, it is beautiful. I, I have a friend that does uh, stained glass and um, she took me in her studio when I was in Louisiana and showed me the work she was doing. And when I see it in a chapel, a building, whatever, it is so gorgeous. But to know the, the real work that goes behind it, and it is such an art form because you, you, let's say you draw a picture and then you have to make that picture come to life in the size it needs to be. And that's, that's a unique thing in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. It's truly incredible. And the way that like different colors work well for um, windows that face different directions, depending on like when light comes through at what time of day. Like there's a lot of, we're talking about art. Like I think a lot of the characters in this book could consider themselves scientists. Um, and I think that like there's a lot of overlap there um, in this field in particular, because it's kind of like an engineering feat as much as anything else. That's great that you were able to go into your friend's studio. That's so cool. Oh, it, I, I I was really blown away. I was I was so impressed. I, I had seen some of her work, but I think until you see the mechanics, uh, it's, it's very different. Uh, I, I realized that, you know, all of the, depending on the size of the lead and stuff, it will shape the window. And I think in a lot of ways that sort of mirrors your characters because they're all shaped in different ways. We do see a lot of uh, fluidity a lot of gender uh, recognition or where they are on a spectrum. And I thought that was really interesting. Is that you set out to highlight that, obviously? Um, yeah, certainly. I mean, um, I think that that when in comparing it to the to glass, I think that it, like it's an interesting like the malleability and yet permanence of glass is very interesting to me. Um, and I think that for some of these characters, you're maybe thinking of Novak, who's the, the main character of the third section, who is a gender non-conforming um, person, um, that uh, because that is um, Novak's field and how she in that section is, is seeing the world, that might that's how she conceptualizes um, her own identity um, as well. But yeah. I, I loved it. I mean, I felt like you gave the characters in each of the section some types of being trapped and also some types of freeing themselves you know it, it's it's a in a lot of ways it's a big buddy book in the fact that these characters find their buddy whether it's their spouse or their friends and they begin to explore what it means to have relationships and then of course you get the familial relationship which is always a fun thing i say fun <laughs> Yeah, I've the idea of describing it as a buddy book is a really, I really like that. That's a very interesting, because yeah, I think that that is something that, and that's a way when I talked about like, sort of like nascent queerness or like not being aware that they're questioning 
you know, their, um, their identity, um, some of them in the earlier sections that like, there's a common sense of people being um, unfulfilled in their family of origin or knowing, like not identifying with what um, their family or society is expecting of them and making these kind of like rebellious sacrifices in order to find a relationship that feels more true to what they're looking for. Um, and yeah, the idea of it being that everyone is finding their buddy, whatever that means, is actually a really nice way to describe it. <laughs> well, I hope it's, it's certainly intended to be a positive thing. No, 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 I know. Yeah. <laughs> I do find, well, and I find that in life, if, you know, to be a little bit of a philosopher, I think that in life, if we allow ourselves to find our buddies, the world usually brings, or the universe or whatever, usually brings us a buddy to give us some type of validation, someone to listen to us. And I really felt like that was something that you did quite well in this, that you brought people in and out of your characters' lives that forwarded their life. I forwarded is such a bad word here, but <laughs> <laughs> propelled, that's the word I was looking for, sort of propelled their life and where they were going. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate too that way of thinking about it because it's, it can be value neutral because that's the thing, that's the tough thing about, you know, talking about chosen family, talking about like an expansive definition of family that it's not necessarily positive. Like because someone is propelling you further in the direction you're going doesn't necessarily mean everything is good. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, that's, Absolutely. that's something I was definitely thinking about in this book is like how can sort of a, a collaborative queer family not being great sometimes. Like, so how, how can that work out in individual cases with individual people? How can it cause conflict? How can it cause problems? That's right. And I think, you know, that mirrors real life. You know, yeah. the, while I am happy with my chosen family and my chosen friends, there are days where I'm sure I rub some of them like sandpaper. So life does happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this has been so wonderful. I am very excited for you. Happy Publication Day. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, once again, the book is Glass Works by Olivia Wolfgang Smith. Do you happen to have social media or a website you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I do. I am on uh, Instagram and Twitter at O Wolfgang Smith, just my first initial and last name. Um, and my link to my website is there. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. And I hope you the very best of success. Thanks. Hang on for me just a second. Sure. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.